I saw that it started. Hey, hey you know what, guys? <laughs> Audience. One day we'll incriminate Matthew with what he says before the episode starts. One day. Yeah, one day. One day we'll get Matthew to not notice the recording starts and just keep saying the batshit crazy stuff yeah. that he says. One hey, day. it's happened at least once before, but all I, I can't even remember what I was talking about when it happened. <laughs> Um, either way, you know what? Real talk. These movies are long, dude. What the hell? Yeah. <laughs> we did some. Uh, whose whose idea was this? I feel like it was one of y'all's. <laughs> um, Has to be one of y'all's. I truly don't remember who who's at fault here. All of us. We all agreed. <laughs> Our hubris. There's no yeah. two out of three rule here. It's it's a part of the crew, part of the ship. With sure, that said, hello and welcome back. We're the Tough Cup Podcast, and I am Matthew. I'm Alex. I'm Jakers. Jakers. <laughs> and this is episode 79, part two of our long movies bracket. Oh, God, there's so many hours. <laughs> so many hours. Guys, I forgot that uh, the uh, Return of the King was four and a half hours and not just four hours. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, these be some fucking long movies, dude. Yeah. Yeah. With that said, coming at you in today's episode, um, we've got Lord of the Rings Return of the King Extended Edition versus Lord of the Rings Fellowship of the Ring Extended Edition. Um, and then the second <laughs> half of the episode, we've got the Hateful Eight Roadshow Edition. We'll talk about it <laughs> versus <Right>. Barry Lyndon. <laughs> Lots of fun to be had. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What else do we say up top, boys? Yeah, sorry. It's, they're just so long. You know, like, <laughs> I just like was daze. like mentally ref- reflecting on how how much time spent <laughs> watching these movies. Because <laughs> look, I work like twelve hours out of the day, right? So I have like four hours pretty much if I want eight hours of sleep. So the yeah, moment I get one home in. from work, I get one movie <laughs> in, and then you know. So it's just I'm reflecting on my life choices more than anything. Uh, spoiler warning. <laughs> For these movies, we're going to spoil every single minute. This is going to be the longest episode in the in our tenure. Yeah, this is uh, going to be a twelve-hour episode as we spoil. talk about every second of these four-hour movies. Yeah, we'll be spoiling these movies. Also, a content warning: if you do decide to like watch these and convince you, um, there's some pretty intense uh, racial violence in the Hateful Eight and content there. Um, so, if that affects you, please uh, keep an eye out for that. And, and also some gruesome violence. Yeah, and even if it's a lie, sexual assault. Yeah, yeah, that is true. It it does get brought up, like the the. It yeah, it's not up. like super explicitly depicted, but it's described. It's described. So keep an eye out for that. If you are averse to that, please uh, keep in mind because we want you guys yeah. to be comfortable. Just listen to us do little hee hee ha ha's about it. Not about that, but about. <laughs> Whoa! <the movies. laughs> yeah, let's, I let's mean. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, literally didn't consider know. until you brought it up. Should we built, uh, hop right in? Because we I spent... was going to say, yes, <laughs> that Alex can introduce the return of the king. I, I sure can. <laughs> uh, I think it's so funny how out of order we have done these movies. So the return of the king, the epic conclusion to the uh, initial Lord of the Rings trilogy. The gangs all split up, but they're coming back together a little bit. Saruman falls off a tower. Pippin grabs an orb, and that's bad. So he and Gandalf go to Gondor, uh, head up to Minas Tirith. Uh, Rohan doesn't want to help Gondor because they're a bunch of meanies. Uh, Gondor the meanies, not Rohan. Rohan, cool. And basically, a bunch of shit goes down. 
Denethor's like, my son is dead, but Faramir is still there. Gondor lights the torch. Rohan rides to its aid. There's a big battle at Minas Tirith. Uh, The ghosts show up, and that's pretty cool. Aragorn reclaims his throne. All the while, Frodo and Sam up in Mordor bring the ring to the volcano, and that's fun. Smeagol slash Gollum is there, and he's doing wicked things. Um, At the end of the day, the eagles show up, and everything gets fixed. Uh, And then everyone gets reunited. The last, like, 25, 30 minutes of... The Return of the King is so good to me. The like conclusion of everything, the like wrapping it up. I normally think like a lot of times movies will either just like totally skip all the conclusion or will take so, so much time tying every knot. And this movie takes a lot of time tying every knot. But because it's been so long, I feel like it's deserved in a weird way. Like because the movies are so long, long final wrap up feels so earned and so gratifying. Um, I love this movie. I think it's great. Um, yeah. Matt, <laughs> do you want to introduce Fellowship? Yeah, you don't or even no, want to no. yeah. know how we what, think? Jake, I already know what you think. This one's got a scary spider in it. Uh, well, I was first I was going to say for that synopsis, um, none of those words were in the Bible. Um, <laughs> you were just so effortlessly like saying all those things to any like nonchalant listener who doesn't watch our movies has no idea. They're probably like, I didn't understand a word, a word, <laughs> this man. And then you said Eagle. They're like, oh, <gasps> um, yeah, man. I mean, look, they better have a good ending if they're going to make us sit through all of that. Uh, and the ending was it was really satisfying. But um, <laughs> fuck this movie and everything it stands for. Do you really hate the spider scene that much that yes. you just can't stand the rest of the movie? I can like it, but I get scared. Like, it's a fear. Like, it's like a, my yeah. heart rate, like, increases thinking of the movie. capable of judging this movie based on the Jake edit where that scene is removed? Uh, I, I will do my best. Okay, uh, okay. Scout's Honor, I will do my best. Like I said, I really like the ending. But as far as I'm concerned, if it's the extended edition and it's a long cut and it, that spider's still in the movie... <laughs> uh, that that's a decision the movie made. If I okay, if but, we did this but Jake, bracket, the, if we okay, did but, this bracket and we just decided to only think of the things, like only want, discuss the things we liked. True, true. You know what? That's I, fair. I apologize that's fair. for asking you to cut it out. I just wanted to make sure we're having productive conversations. Is all we will. I won't. Okay. I won't. Like if I got nothing to say, I won't say. <laughs> we're talking about the spider more, Matt. Uh, what are your thoughts on this movie? I love this movie. I think it was maybe one of the. Of the three main trilogy Lord of the Rings movies, I think it was the one I most recently called my favorite. Um, Two Towers was like a childhood favorite. Return of the King is a little bit more recent. I still am not sure I'm entirely settled on what my adulthood favorite of the three is. Um, Mm -hmm. It's fantastic. It wraps up the story so, so well. Again, in a very satisfying way, as the two of you have already called out. But also there... I feel like this movie is chock full of so many iconic Lord of the Rings moments to me that just are yeah. like burned into my heart and soul. Um, it, it, this movie rocks. Nice. Uh, a good chunk of the movie does rock. Yes. <laughs> um, about <laughs> yeah. a solid three hours and 50 minutes of yeah. this four hour, 23 minute movie yeah. are really good. Yeah. 
on the other side of this matchup, we've got Lord of the Rings Fellowship of the Ring um, extended, extended edition, edition released in 2001. <laughs> Peter Jackson yet again. So this is actually the first repeat film we've had in the tough cut. Um, it, well, not technically, because the first one was not demanded extended edition. The oh, first one was sure. just the theatrical release. Well, technically, technically, I'm, I'm, I'm fucking different mind movie. and ways. Different, technically different. And we can maybe talk about the ways in which it is different. The um, tough cut. So uh, leading up the, the top, <laughs> the band is getting together, <laughs> uh, proverbially, as Alex put that they were separated before. Um, basically, we've got the Hobbits. Uh, they're in the Shire. Gandalf rolls up. The is like, hey, this ring is bad fucking news, dude. And the the fellowship forms um, with the singular goal to bring the room the ring to its final destination of Mount Doom, where it can be destroyed. Um, I'm skipping over a whole bunch of shit there, but again, these are four hour long movies. There's no perfect synopsis of <laughs> um, movies. That hits the high level pretty well. Um, as far as why I put this one in, I think the Fellowship of the Ring is the movie that I've grown to appreciate the most in adulthood of the the Lord of the Rings films. As a kid, Two Towers was my favorite because Helm's Deep is so fucking sick. Mm-hmm. Um, growing into to my later adolescence and adult early adulthood, um, Return of the King has those iconic moments that like burn in my memory. And now Fellowship of the Ring, I think, establishes so much, and you get a lot of I feel like pretty intimate character moments um, that set up the rest of the trilogy so well um, that I've really come to appreciate the role that it plays in setting up the story on a larger scale, which I I, I think is important to pay your respects to. With that said, Alex, what do you think of this one? Yeah, I actually have a kind of tough relationship with Fellowship of the Ring because my preferred way to watch these movies is to sit down and watch all of them in one day. And because of that, you always start with Fellowship. I find Mm -hmm. it very difficult to just like go and watch Two Towers or go and watch Return of the King. So I always start with Fellowship. And often when I set the lofty goal of watching all these movies in one day, we get through Fellowship and I'm like, okay, we're going to take a short break and then reconvene and continue watching. And then we just don't continue watching. And so I like... I have this tough relationship where I've definitely seen fellowship more times than any of the other ones. And so like every time I go to do that, I put it on and I'm like, okay, ready for fellowship to be done so I can watch the other two. Right. Um, so this one more often than not makes you not want to watch the other two. Is this- not that it makes me <laughs> not want to do it. It's just yeah. like, for whatever reason, the stars don't align. Something comes up. I just don't continue watching. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's an incredible movie. It is fantastic. For me, just like watching it this time, I was like, it was feeling slow. I had just watched two other three and four hour movies and I was about (laughs) to watch Return of the King after. And I was like, ooh, ready for this one to be done. Um, But like, it's a great movie, you know? Mm -hmm. It's just, I think watching it this time was tough. Kind of, you know, behind the curtain here, though, uh, for, for the fans you have a lot more time to watch the long movies than, than our normal slate. So I feel like this is kind of on you <laughs> for uh, waiting last minute and watching them back to back. Um, perhaps, yeah. but yeah, this is my experience. Is yeah. it not? Hey, we, we can't, we can't, uh, we can't sit our ass can't down separate and separate the dog from the hair. You got, 
This is very true. Uh, that being said, um, this movie is ex- ex- exponentially better, I would say, than Return <laughs> of the King. <laughs> um, I, but also for like reasons reasons that are obvious, no spiders, and could still tell a great uh, long-ass story with no spiders, imagine that. But also, kind of like uh, Matthew said, Two Towers was also my favorite growing up. But this one is sweet. It's a sweet time. It, it's it's a hard thing to introduce a world and double down on that shit and really, really get it going. And you got to applaud them for just coming out swinging, uh, yeah. putting the attention that they do give and and making it feel like, okay, because this was the first extended one where it's like, do we need extended ones? You know, like... So this is the first to really, really give it its, why did you record this much footage? What, is it worth it? <laughs> and, it, you know, it was. So I give it a lot. I give this movie a lot of credit for uh, just extended editions in general, um, but also just setting up this world. That's pretty damn impressive. And then extending it to really, really make you want to care about it. Yeah. Um, so as far as these Lord of the Rings go, obviously, Jake, you know, it, it sounds like you're pretty clear on which one you stand with. Um, <laughs> it's, it's just hard. I'm, I'm trying to be open. So, you know, I feel like something that's really cool in comparing Fellowship and Return of the King is that Fellowship still ha- I, I do not know how to describe it exactly, but it has like, I don't know how to put words to this thought. There is a certain magic to it, like a, a certain optimism before you've been dragged to to hell and back mm-hmm. um, that the, the characters have made their way to by the end of this journey that we get to see reflected in Return of the King. Um, so despite being like all part of one essentially continuous series, there are some like, I think, important tonal differences that Two Towers helps to kind of bridge um, but like watching these kind of one after another, as you did in particular, Alex, literally one after another. Um, what what do you guys make of those kind of tonal differences? Do you have a, a preference? Do you think they're both in, they're both still important to the story? Kind of how does all of that feel? Let me tell you, it's pretty jarring going from Fellowship straight into Return of the King um, because I watched Two Towers last week. Uh, <laughs> it's like a very jarring jump. What I'll say is I think the like quaintness and optimism and lightness in fellowship is so interesting when you compare it to like the desolation in return of the King, like them going through Mordor compared to them hanging out in the Shire at the beginning is so stark. Um, And I think, yeah, like the work that is done in fellowship to make their lives so quaint in the Shire really drives home the point at at the end of return of the king when frodo isn't able to like stay in the shire right like he has to leave uh, or he chooses to leave with bilbo because like his life has moved on it has changed he can't live that simple quiet life anymore i mean it reminds me a lot of the 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 first thing i think of really is the harry potter movies they're light-hearted and cute as hell in the first ones then all of a sudden genocide people start like dying left and right like it's like even like the literal logo the warner brothers logo gets like darker and darker as it goes by and it's like 
Yo, that's crazy. They ain't Harry kids Potter no more. still has uh, slaves, though, in the very first entry. Yeah, uh, look, I mean, <laughs> Harry, Harry Potter is awful <laughs> no matter what. Like, that's what I'm saying. But I meant, like, just totally. Because, uh, yeah, like, in I the mean first that, I mean, it, it, it just, just poking some fun at J.K. Rowling in her yeah, really off writing. She's... <laughs> yeah. But, like, literally, like, it's, like, such a stark it's kind of sad if you watch those two back to back honestly because that's not even well you get three movies and the first one they're like skipping and frolicking and i mean worth considering though in harry potter is that they had like what four different directors for all the movies yeah well i mean but they still had the same like kind of yeah, producing yeah, yeah. team and all that jazz more or less like yeah, they, they knew what they were doing no, no they, they switched harry. all of them halfway through yeah yeah they actually not they a lot of people older. know that Mm-hmm. It was uh, Daniel Radcliffe's twin brother, Raniel Raniel Dadcliffe. Raniel Dadcliffe is he the one that did full dong on stage? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Swiss Army Man, but the other one, Daniel Radcliffe did. Now you see me too, which makes a lot of sense. In, in <laughs> <laughs> he just loved the magic. Yeah, he just loved the magic. <laughs> um, but back to these movies. <laughs> The scene, so Jake, you hate the spider scene in Return of the King. The scene that I hate in Return of the King (laughs) is the very beginning Mm. when Smeagol hasn't yet become Smeagol and is like in the makeup rather than the CGI. He's just terrifying. I hate it every single time I see it. (laughs) Yeah, I wonder, I wonder how that, yeah, no. (laughs) You tired? tired I'm so fucking tired. They keep me awake nonstop at the tough cut. It's really awful. Yeah. Jake, the 12 hour days Jake was talking about is actually. Um, that's the tough cut. The tough yeah. Cut. A- the after the, the firing of our lawyer slash um, cold open writer, uh, <laughs> things have really gone downhill over here. It's pretty, pretty insane. No, I mean, I don't. I, the Schmingle stuff is like super interesting in the, the third one. Um, I just can't trust that fucker. Yeah, you I know? think that's but, the but point. Yeah, I know. Trust him because <laughs> of his betrayal, mm-hmm. like because he was betrayed because of the like, spiders. It's no, no. Okay, no, do you want to talk about the spiders? No, no I think I we should spider. Get, I think we should get the spider out of the way. I, I wish because Jake, Jake, you're holding the spider against Return of the King Extended Edition. Yeah, the spiders also in. Return of the King, not extended edition. Also an equally bad movie. <laughs> well, wait, shouldn't the extended edition be proportionally better? Because there's less spider time in the, yeah. the runtime. Yeah, it's a huge spider is what, uh, you're, it's what you're missing. It kind of, it, it kind of overhangs it all. It overhangs it. It's a okay, huge but, one. But here's the thing. Phobia. Here's the thing about Return of the King. Okay, here's the thing. We get dirty Frodo. We get, we get nasty Frodo in this one. What, what are you talking? What we get mean? we get dirty, nasty Frodo in this movie. Like he he's like physically dirty because yeah. he's been on a yeah we got messy we got journey. messy dirty Frodo in this one. Um, I would argue I would argue that the hobbits don't shower, so he was already dirty in the. First but he didn't look dirty. He had That's clean true. porcelain skin in that. First you saw his feet. Their skin looks okay. Shoes. Yeah, <laughs> dirty feet, extra toe, whatever. But they do have great skin. Yeah, what's their secret? Korean skincare, actually, um, I think is what it is. Probably, I'd imagine. That was my first guess. <laughs> so <laughs> it feels like we are just. <laughs> I don't know how to compare these movies. Like, 
yeah, man, you brought up the tone stuff, and that's a good conversation. I, like, don't know. I guess, like, we can talk about use of time, right? Like, yeah, that's the big sure. So, Fellowship of the Ring does spends a ton of time, like, establishing tone, mood, um, setting up the characters, setting up the world. Setting up the world. Yeah. Return of the King, so much action, baby. You get yeah. a lot. I mean, you get a lot of it. Trying to deliver on all the promises is what it is. And the extended edition yeah. is like alt, like really trying to deliver on like what all, like we have so many loose ends. Obviously this, we can't give everyone everything they wanted with all this expansive books and everything, even in an extended edition. Yeah. How many, how much satisfaction can we give? And does it turn into fanfare or does it turn into actual good storytelling? And I don't know. I think at the end of the day, like, that was how they came to decisions about what to include and what not to include, right? Because if they throw in a cameo of a character and it's like, for example, what they did in the Hobbit movies, where it's like, oh, Radagast is here and he's going to be in the movie for 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. It's like... Stephen he Colbert. Serve, he doesn't serve... Yeah, Stephen Colbert was in it. Although that was, like, a cool thing because Stephen Colbert also just, yeah. like, is a huge fan. Yeah, that was But, cool. like... Putting Radagast in the movie as a character for 20 minutes to like throw in a little subplot that doesn't actually change anything in the series, that's fan service. Mm-hmm. I don't think Return of the King does fan service. Like it has fun moments, but they're like 30 second moments in like greater purpose scenes, right? Yeah. I think that's one of the most, the, th- the thing I have to put the most respect on Return of the King doing, as Jake said, the idea of delivering on your promises. Essentially, we have two movies worth of setup for this grand finale of which there are characters strewn across the world, multiple different plot threads in the air that we've kind of got that we have to handle from the ghosts to the actual destruction of the ring to the battle for Minas Tirith. There is a lot going on. And then even within those like larger settings or scenes, we've got lots going on just in like, Gondor, like we're over here with Gandalf and Pippin, we're over on the other side. Like, there's just a lot to deliver on in terms of those promises. And I think this movie pulls it off really, really well. However, that is paired against the Fellowship, which has the almost insurmountable task of introducing the fantasy world that yeah. is defined You're modern setting fantasy. Up for the payoffs. Like, you cannot yeah. have those payoffs without this first. And I think it goes far beyond that. Like, It is setting up for Return of the King, but also it is setting up this world that has defined modern fantasy since Tolkien wrote it, basically. Like, we conceive of elves, orcs, and dwarves as Tolkien conceived of them because this was such an important work of fiction, basically. And that's, that's really tough, too. And I think Fellowship does a great job of it. It does. But do you think that people remember this series now, now more because of how it started or how it ended? I think if Return of the King had been bad, I mean, it still would have been a prolific work, right? Like the books books were incredible. But I think if the movie Return of the King had been bad, people would not care about the movie. I mean, same thing about Game of Thrones, though. I was going to say, no one cared about Game of Thrones. Is that like Game of Thrones, like shat itself out the cultural zeitgeist because it ended so poorly. People don't talk about the TV show anymore. But they like, yeah, there's a House of Dragons is one of the number one. There's a new TV show coming out. They love the series. They, they want right. more that is good, but like the main television series, the mainline TV series, people are like, we'd rather not talk about it because it feels bad mm-hmm. to talk about. Well, remember, they, the Lord of the Rings have the Hobbit movies, though. And yeah, people, but the Hobbits, are, it's a separate trilogy, right? Like, and also, and people, casual fans aren't going to like, you know, nip, they're going to be like, that's Lord of the Rings. 
Right, but like I would never go back and as a fan of the series who's read the books, read The Hobbit, Mm -hmm. read The Lord of the Rings, I would never go back and watch The Hobbit trilogy. Yeah, I I think that's part of the situation here is that Alex and I are pretty big fans of the series and like I have not gone back and rewatched The Hobbit movies. Casual people might. And I don't know if the butchering of The Hobbit was quite as bad as the last season of Game of Thrones. Not that that's the conversation yeah. we need to be having, but it's not like it they is, left a Starbucks cup in the frame, it, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. No, they did leave a fucking... Wow. No, no, no. I mean, like, yeah, we kind of meandered, but uh, I think it's a matter of, with these two movies, whether you uh, love and respect the fact of one starting it all off or uh, ending it all and tying it a bow. Like, wh- yeah. what is is the setup more important to you guys or, or the satisfying ending? Which is so tough. I wish I could pick both. And honestly, we just in a way, amalgously vote on the idea of Lord of the Rings. Well, in a way, I'm really, <laughs> I'm really glad I am stubborn and have a phobia because it's really easy for me. And if it, if it well, wasn't for that, do you think you are because you have that phobia? You're like justifying your belief in the payoff or in the setup, or in other series, other concepts is generally the setup the most important piece to you? I guess you spoke a little bit about it when we talked about the Batman and that was one of the things you appreciated most. So maybe that is true. Yeah, it it could be. But as we know, I'm not usually philosophically consistent. True. true. (laughs) Psychoanalyzing me is not going to help, but I mean, lately it's been true that I like the setup more. So we'll go with that as our headcanon going forward. Fair, fair. You know, I I guess I can't. (laughs) (laughs) So I think for me, it kind of comes down to one. Are we ready to vote? Because I think I know where I'm going to fall and I can explain it now, but then that kind of just like, I'll explain it now and then just say again what I'm going to vote for. So I'm, yeah, do we want to just vote? Fine. Yeah, we can, we can do that. Jake, do you want to start? Oh yeah. Uh, sorry. The, the, the one without the spider, uh, f- fellowship is taking it home. Uh, and, and it's not just cause I'm being petty. I feel like I've, I've voiced my <laughs> other, uh, I, I like the setup. I'm just—it's just so much credit for introducing this world, and, and I think it's phenomenal. Yeah, Matt, do you want to go? Uh, you go ahead, Alex. Okay. I think part of what I love about the Lord of the Rings is epic fantasy, right? Mm-hmm. I love the characters. I love the archetypes that they portray. I love the world. In my mind, what I enjoy about epic fantasy the most are the epic conclusions like i want to see a big fight i want to see a war i want to see like the epic armies clashing and coming together and the inspiring speeches and i just get that more in return of the king um so i am voting for return of the king extended edition yes <laughs> thank you for extended edition at the end there as i, I alluded to when we were, we were talking about this I think it's so tough because these the Lord of the Rings trilogy is really so closely tied together in my mind. So the question of what do I appreciate more between setup and payoff, I think they're different skill sets. I think they're both incredibly valuable. In this case, I think the payoff is the more impressive of the two to me because you have a whole lot riding on return of the king meeting its mark and i think that this movie does and it it does so in truly stellar fashion so i'm I'm gonna vote for return of the king here with that lord of the rings return of the king advances um and let's jump to our our final matchup 
uh, Jake, if you want to go ahead and introduce the Hateful Eight. Yeah, I did the Hateful Eight Roadshow edition uh, in 2015, directed by Quentin Tarantino. A bounty hunter by the name of John the Hangman Ruth, played by Kurt Russell, as uh, in tow to Red Rock, the town of Red Rock in uh, post-Civil War Wyoming. And he has a prisoner uh, there uh, who's the notorious, notorious prisoner. And she's part of a gang and all that stuff. And he encounters another bounty hunter, Samuel L. Jackson, and a man also who claims to be a sheriff, the incoming sheriff of Red Rock. Well, they're all together and a <laughs> blizzard happens and uh, they get stuck <laughs> at an inn. And they're, they're in this inn and you're stuck in this inn and someone gets fucking bodied and then they gotta figure out what's all happening what's you know hmm who 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 done it who and also is there more afoot uh not really who done it but you know like i mean okay, it is, yeah, it I is like say it technically is a who done <laughs> for like sprinklings of who done it but the who done yeah. it is like maybe 10 minutes yeah but like <laughs> this four hour movie but yeah i mean it's you know it's uh hodgepodge of characters i i saw this one uh they were doing this special like roadshow edition with like an overture and with the uh, uh in the beginning and an intermission they were doing like special screenings and with like the millimeter like film they shot in uh and i drove like an hour and a half out to this like really cool theater in like Tigard, Oregon, I think. And um, it was just a really awesome experience. And I think, you know, with a lot of these movies, I'm sure they were like great or whatever, like to watch this, the extended ones, whatever in a theater and such. But like, this is the only one that I've seen like in a theater with the whole experience being that long uh, rather than by myself. And I think to have a long movie and watch it in theaters and still love it and be like, Oh wow, that was great. Even though it was long, like, it was a whole experience for me. So like I had to include it in the long bracket because if we're doing a long bracket and we're talking about movies, I don't want to just talk about movies that I've only seen on my couch. <laughs> and that's that's kind of that's where I'm at. So uh, I don't know. Alex, tell me how you feel. about. It. Yeah, I honestly Tarantino's movies are hit or miss for me. Um, I like some of them. The ones that I like, I like a lot. And the ones that I don't like, I don't like very much at all. Totally fair. I liked this one a lot. Uh, I thought it was really good. Um, so a little confused and hoping I watched the right thing <laughs> on Netflix, the four episodes. Is that like, I know it's split up into four episodes. So, is that still the full Roadshow edition? That is one of the things I wanted to talk about. Yeah. So there, there are technically like three and a half versions of this movie. There's the original theatrical cut, the Roadshow edition, the 70 millimeter, there's the extended edition, and then there is um, a Blu-ray release of the Roadshow edition, I believe. Yeah, like some, yeah, yeah. You watched the longest version of this story because it is essentially impossible to find the Roadshow edition legally. It is uh, <laughs> nice. Okay, it it is. Uh, <laughs> yes. So. <laughs> And that's, that's I, on I, me. That's on me. I was so fucking yeah, okay. close to texting Jake being you like, I'm I mean, about to yeah, you beat your ass. Because we could have so just I have, specified. Yeah. So I have seen the extended edition and that's what I rewatched for this. Um, it's about 20 additional minutes compared to the roadshow, I think, and about 40 compared to the, the theatrical. I think it's like mm-hmm. 200 something minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I generally quite like Tarantino movies. Um, rewatching this was a lot of fun. A little bit. I'm mad at Jake for picking a Tarantino movie because 
I would have probably done the whole bloody affair for this bracket um, or any other number of Tarantino movies because they're all generally pretty long. Yeah, this this was fun. Um, (laughs) Minus the how on earth do I watch the Roadshow edition? I haven't seen the Roadshow edition. I feel like that was easily rectified. We have a group chat. We are friends. It's not like we're like celebrities who come together for this chat and act like we're friends. You could have been like, hey, Jake, for clarification, what the fuck am I watching? Yeah. But fortunately, the extended edition still covers. Yeah, the I mean, material. yeah. With with that said, unless there's anything else we want to talk about, uh, hey, Flade here from the top, I can go ahead and introduce uh, Barry Lyndon. Yeah. Go Wait, you me. didn't pick Zack Snyder's Justice League? Are you serious? <laughs> I watched four hours of Justice League Are for nothing. Um, on the, the other side of this matchup, we've got Barry Lyndon. 1975 directed by stanley kubrick essentially we we've got the sometimes likable sometimes not irish rogue redmont barry and eventually barry linden um this movie is a a period piece that follows the life of barry redmont barry from his i think it's supposed to be like his early 20s um as a soldier, and then eventually into his adulthood, where, where he makes his way to land and title, which is really the, the best way to explain this, because we get a whole lot of Barry's life yeah. um, as we kind of follow him through it um, in all the good and all the bad, so to speak. Um, I think he is a, a deeply flawed character. It, it becomes a really, I think, fun character study to stay close to. There are a lot of, I think, really, really beautiful themes in this movie beyond that the the obvious elephant in the room i don't know how familiar you guys are with kubrick but he is a fucking psychopath yeah um (laughs) this entire film i believe is all shot with natural light um so it's either shot with candlelight the sun Mm -hmm. the moon etc um which is extraordinarily impressive there's just so much that was done for location scouting and everything else the the production details are staggering and basically i love Kubrick as a director um, and I was like what should I do for my last long movie and I, I hadn't watched this one in a minute so I was like yeah what the hell oh my god I thought you were going to say I hadn't watched this one <laughs> if, no, if no, you no. pulled the card of haven't watched a movie in the long bracket what power that would be yeah, that, that, would, that would be a psychopath move holy hell yeah with that said Jake what did you think of this one i know you've seen it before yeah i mean this is like kind of film school 101 sort of a deal there's like criterion collection like you know like people people study this shit it's it's a really technically impressive like film like it's the production design is insane like the the dp did their fucking thing i bet they the like the lighting crew probably hated working on this, oh, this movie. was probably a nightmare to work um, on yeah <laughs> And just the sheer, like, the value, again, production value of this is is insane. And look, if you're going to do a war period piece drama sort of a deal, like, you gotta, I, I guess to make it interesting, you gotta commit. Because I've seen a lot of war movies that just aren't that interesting. And I think because he had that additional element of everything looking the way it did, I think that made it more interesting. <laughs> this film just reminds me of school, though. And I just hear a bunch of, like, film Aww. bros talking about, like, you know, kind of, like, diddling themselves to it. But with that being said, that never like held a lot of like credence over me. I still really enjoy this movie or what it is. And I think it's really interesting. Kubrick is always hit or miss with me because I typically like always think his films are really like good um, and really well made. But sometimes they make me uncomfy. 
Uh, and, and for a reason, I'm mainly thinking Full Metal Jacket. Uh, that movie mm. hits me the wrong way. Um, <laughs> even if it's good, I just don't ever want to watch it ever again. But yeah, no, this is like, it, genuinely, it's a really impressive movie. Uh, especially, you know, 1975, it's just an impressive movie. We have a lot of like recent movies on this list, or recent-ish, yeah. and this is like, it's... Because I also... I also was like, why didn't I... I literally picked such recent movies. I didn't pick any kind of old school movies. And so I appreciate the pick of Barry Lyndon. I think Thank I you. think it gives us street cred, you know, in the, <laughs> in yeah. the film bro community. In the film, film bro yeah. community. Or just film community, not just film oh, bros. Oh, God, no. <laughs> but yeah, you know, Alex, what do you think? This movie won four Oscars. Mm-hmm. It is right in the middle of the road of our long bracket being three hours and four minutes. This movie watching it felt like it took an entire day. I was bored to death watching it. I'm so sorry, Matt. Uh, I just like... You took a risk. You had to have known you were taking a risk. I I did. I did. I just... I couldn't stand this movie. I... It was so slow. I had no emotional attachment to Barry. I was just like... So, like, the drama at the end and the tragedy of it just, like, totally missed me. I don't it, it. This movie just didn't do it for me, unfortunately. I think in some ways I am somewhat predisposed to um, liking the somewhat scoundrel and roguish characters of, of fiction. <laughs> and um, very true. Barry Redmond here very much is that. I just, um, like, barely got that, though. Like, yeah, he spends, like, I don't know, an hour maybe as a gambler swindling people, but, like... He's, he's swindling people, he is seducing women, he is creating acts of heroism in war. Like, th- I, I don't see how you don't get it. I understand <laughs> not liking it. I understand this movie maybe being a little bit slow. I don't understand not seeing him as a as a, as a scoundrel, as, like, a... I see him as a scoundrel, but I don't... Picked, like I do not see him as like dashing rogue archetype. I think he's like, on the scoundrel I think, rogue. I think he's a douche. <laughs> I don't think <laughs> he's like a daring rogue character in my mind, though. I mean, I mean a, agree to disagree. A guy from a burning building. He's a war hero. Like, right? I, I don't know. Either I way, know. you feel free to obviously agree to disagree. Well, um, hey, the main actor used to be a boxer. Does that help you, Alex? Isn't that crazy? Wow. My grandpa like actually used to be guy. a boxing referee. Ah, well, oh. there you go. Yeah, now I like this movie more. <laughs> I mean, it, it's it's tough. Uh, it's tough because, like, I understand your frustration, Matthew, with, like, not, but I feel like there are going to be certain movies that just people are not going to not gonna vibe with the length of. And this was, like, a very yeah. ballsy move to put in the bracket because you're taking a risk hoping that, like... A, sl- a character study period piece directed by Stanley Kubrick being a risk for, for somebody <laughs> liking. What? Yeah, exactly. What? Exactly. So you got to respect the pick. And again, I think there are beautiful things in the fucking movie. Like, you cannot deny that this is like well directed, like, well, it's just a, a well done movie. But I can't say that people won't hate the pacing. And like comparing it to something like Hateful Eight, at least in my opinion, I'm speaking for myself here, Hateful Eight, the way they do it, and this kind of, you know, credits to Tarantino as well. Like it's kind of fun because of the chapters and because like the ragtag, like it's trying to be something different than Barry Lyndon. Hateful Eight, there's pretty much always kind of something going on. Barry Lyndon, that is very much not the case. Mm -hmm. There are plenty of lingering scenes, characters that we probably will only see for 20 minutes and things of that sort. So in terms of how they manage their pace over the course of their runtime, Hateful Eight is definitely snappier. 
yeah, is, no, I, I, but I also in moments that. it's super not. Like some of the dialogue in Hateful Eight is like very slow and drawn out. Specifically in the beginning, I'm thinking of when Samuel L. Jackson's out there. Kurt Russell is in the um, cart, and he's like. Yeah, ask the driver to help you load the things onto the roof so that way you can go. And it like feels like bad video game dialogue of like, <laughs> I can't help you load the bodies onto the cart. Someone has to hold the horses. Go talk to the guy in the cart to hold the horses so I can help you with the bot. Like that to me, I, I like, just thought so- it was fun because like you don't have like in how Barry Lyndon like takes moments of reprieve and like kind of like is... Uh, relaxing and like stays like in a moment which is really beautiful like Hateful Eight the way it does that is by having dialogue that is so circular and around that it's just like you could have solved this like 20 minutes ago but instead you took us on this like hell of a journey part of what that does in the Hateful Eight is it it works to the characterization of everyone yeah Hateful Eight is very aptly named yeah (laughs) the characters are like by and large fucking awful people. Yeah. Which is one thing that I think is super interesting about specific, like about hateful eight compared to a lot of other Tarantino movies. He has a lot of protagonists that are bad people, but you still want to root for him. Mm-hmm. I think it's a little bit less clear here. Admittedly though, I, I do still want to see Samuel L. Jackson succeed. Um, yeah, but that yeah. might just be the yeah. oppressive racism of the situation. No, He's but still, he like, did it in a very a dude. cruel way. And here's the thing. I also kind of like a really fuck like this is uh, my favorite Walton Goggins performance. His will is he is he not the sheriff of Red Rock like yeah. shtick? He is that's hilarious. Good. And he, but but he's also a racist motherfucker and like awful. Like <laughs> but he's yeah. like. Walter Goggins is so good at this. He's so hilarious. And I love that it was those two, you know, at the so, end. And uh, yeah, yes. Yeah. At, at the, the ending of the hateful eight, as they are both bleeding to death, um, jokingly reading the letter from Lincoln, mm-hmm. um, is a fantastic send off for a crew of terrible people. Yeah. I, I love it. it. It's fantastic. And it's actually one of the things I wanted to talk about comparing these two movies, because we essentially have, a core cast in both films or protagonist protagonist. I don't know what the best way to phrase these that are bad people Yeah, um, who like, in some cases you may be actively rooting against their success. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so interesting that we ended up with this particular matchup. Um, so what, what do you guys kind of make of that case? Obviously, Alex, you, you think you really do not like Barry. Um, the Hateful Eight's characters, are, are there ones you're rooting for? Well, not the okay. Other side? So I do want to clarify. It's not that I don't like Barry. It's that I am completely indifferent towards him. <laughs> and like, that's, in a way, it's worse. In it's a way, worse. It's, yeah, for right? a long movie. For like, a for, long especially movie. for like a, a, a yeah a movie a three hour character study yeah. directly about him and all i want is for the movie to be over so i don't have to watch him anymore yikes. like it's pretty it's pretty yikes yeah. but um in terms of the characters in the hateful eight i thought that you know they're so fun yeah the dialogue is circular but i think uh, you're totally right that like it creates this kind of spiral and these like incredible character moments right and you know it also serves to like build this tension where you don't no. I mean, I remember seeing trailers for the movie and being like, oh yeah, there are like a bunch of people in a cabin or something. Um, and then I forgot about the movie until you made me watch it again. Um, <laughs> so, That's what I do, baby! Like, I remember be- seeing it and being like, oh yeah, so it's like a bunch of characters trapped in a room, right? And 
I didn't know how they got there. I didn't know who they were. I remembered something about like Confederate soldiers, but I didn't really know like the way that all of these characters like mesh together. And then the twist reveal of like who half of them actually are, Mm -hmm. I think is very fun and interesting. I do think it like to a point, right? It takes a while to get to that twist. And before the twist, you're kind of like, okay, why are all of these people here? Like that guy said he was the executioner, but like do the other, like, and it's because they're lying. Like they don't have a real story for being there, Sure, but it doesn't like really try to offer an explanation of why they're there besides that, which, you know, makes sense. It, it then leads to the twist. So, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think like it's one of those things where you, when you watch it in retrospect, it's like, what the fuck? But it's because they're clearly lying. <laughs> but like when yeah. I was in it personally, I was just like, this is like, I'm so interested to see where this like goes. Cause I'm like, yeah, why are all you motherfuckers here? And why are we framing it the way we are as right. if something's going to happen? And then Channing Tatum comes out of fucking left field and, you know, yeah, so fun in the balls. So fun. Yeah, I guess that's a really interesting point is I can't remember exactly what it felt like to watch this movie for the first time, because part of the I'm sure frustrations, etc. with like circular conversations and maybe where the movie meanders a little bit, I see is contributing to the overall narrative of like they're basically doing improv. They're making up their lie as they go along. Um, Which is some of the fun of watching this a second time is kind of getting to watch those pieces fitting together. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Not to dominate the airspace, so to speak, in terms of topics of conversation. But another one that I think is probably valuable to talk through is we've got a Kubrick movie and a Tarantino movie who are not that I completely uh, subscribe to the idea of auteur cinema, but are two directors I think a lot of people would describe as adjacent to the auteur idea. Sure. Um. Hateful Eight, I think, is maybe a little bit more stereotypically Tarantino. Barry Lyndon, I think, is stereotypically Kubrick in the sense that he's doing some crazy fucking cinematography concept that he wants to pull off. Mm-hmm. Because the story itself is not like the type of story Kubrick tells often. No, not what, what do you kind of make of these from the the directing perspective? Well, having no, because Barry Lyndon was one where like I watched it, like, you know, in film class and, uh, I had watched a bunch of other Kubrick stuff that, you know, I, I, I liked more, like, you know, Clockwork like Orange, Clockwork Orange, The Shining. Uh, Shining, yeah, it's a big one. Like, 2001, Doctor uh, Strange Love. Yeah, it, but then watching this, I'm like, oh, he departed. Again, it's still good, but, like, now I'm thinking of all the other Kubrick movies. So it's kind of hard because I want to, I always like applauding directors for just genuinely doing the stuff they want to do. And even if it is a departure from their stuff, but at the same time, part of doing what you want to do is doing the same thing over again. Like Wes Anderson is going to make pretty much the same film over and over again because he loves doing that (laughs) shit. Uh, But I'll eat that shit up and I love it. Um, And for this one, like, you know, I could have chosen any Tarantino one, but I already mentioned how like I had an experience in theaters with this one. But also this just feels like, I don't know, I really, this is like a top tier Tarantino for me just because it's like so fun and technically like I don't know I, I kind of I just and I, I I don't want the statement stereotypically Tarantino to be like a bad thing sure, or that no, Kubrick is debarred, departing from what he normally does to be a good thing it's just I think these are directors really known for a particular style yeah um, and it's interesting to see Tarantino very much in his element again you know he has done a lot of these thematic pieces or even this setting western yeah 
before were, yeah, that's more what I was, was getting at. Not to, sorry to cut you off. No, no, you're totally fine. And, and it's interesting because, look, Tarantino, he, he's famously said, like, you only make this certain set amount of movies. I don't remember if it's eight at this point. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> research team is failing me. We're going to have to fire another intern. But um, <laughs> I know I liked Gary, but whatever. Gary was really nice. It's too bad. How he picks his, like, projects in that space, it's just like, how, how, do, you, how do you get here? And it's so, like, interesting to me. Because, like, the last one he did before this was Inglorious Bastards, if I'm not mistaken. And you go from Inglorious Bastards to this uh, in, like, a whatever seven-year span it was. It's just pretty wild. And, and as a filmmaker who is limiting himself for the movies he's going to do versus Kubrick, to, I'm pretty sure Kubrick was just making shit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, pretty much. pretty much just making shit. I mean, as most filmmakers do, and most ones aren't going to be a fucking kind of <laughs> douchey i'll only give you 10 films and then i'm out it's just interesting well, to me what i really like about the hateful eight in terms of like okay looking at it compared to his other work i like how small it feels right and it got like the it got the roadshow edition like it got this extended edition but it's still it's set in one little cabin like yeah. it's so small and i feel like most of his movies are known for having these like grand set pieces or like huge moments right like kill bills have like the massive fight sequences mm-hmm. with the like armies like the of ninjas and stuff, the samurai like and this one is just in a cabin it really stands out to me in an interesting way about how like small and intimate it is mm-hmm. um and how it like it is these eight characters in a cabin and i mean keep in mind he did reservoir dogs which is kind of a similar ish that's true ish thing but he, but he he was away from it for a little bit so um and i like hatefully a little bit more than reservoir dogs a lot of people love reservoir dogs but i think i don't know yeah that's gonna be a controversial opinion i feel <laughs> yeah whatever they they can take their eight white dudes yeah, I was going to say, Reservoir Eight Dogs got kind of co-opted by the alt-right, I think, yeah. for a hot minute, so yes. I'm not sure. <laughs> they, can, they can take that one. They can take that one. Did you so, have, like, a specific, like, thought about it, Matthew? I mean, you brought up the... Um, I, I think it's more just really interesting, and, and it speaks to some degree about Tarantino and Kubrick, I think, as people. I think, to some extent, Kubrick genre-hopped a lot. The Shining... 2001, Dr. Strangelove, Barry Lyndon are very, very, very different films stylistically, tonally, and, you know, kind of all of the above. I I just think it's a really interesting idea that we associate auteur cinema with these two people and they... uh, come at the idea of being an auteur in very different ways Mm -hmm. through Kubrick. It's his like approach to filmmaking through Tarantino. It's the, the content of filmmaking almost. And I'm not making a value judgment on in terms of which of those is better. I think they're both perfectly valid. I just think they're really interesting. Yeah. And Kubrick's also a very tense motherfucker too. Like he has like yeah. classic like um, you read stare. about the production what? history of um <laughs> The Shining for there's like so an many afternoon. documentaries about it. Like <laughs> it was, it... <laughs> you turn your head and there's another documentary and like I'm just like poor fucking Shelley Duvall, she deserves the world. Like, I would Jesus. not be surprised if Lady Linden yeah just suffered a horrific uh not like abusive treatment from kubrick but just a very intense treatment from kubrick yeah i mean tarantino is um, the same way though it's the yeah, I mean, he, same kubrick probably wouldn't lick your feet yeah well i'm sure <laughs> well actually you know what i don't know that for a fact i'll say it i cannot yeah, defend that man that's for true. that um beyond that though i you know it, it sounds like we're 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 approaching a vote and it sounds like you you two are 
are, are kind of in your position here. And, you know, I, I just think that Barry Lyndon is very much not a movie for everyone. I, don't, I do not fault you for that in any means, Alex. It is a very particular movie. And I think for people that like this style of film, they will really like Barry Lyndon. Yeah. Um, no, that's the thing. Like, it's it's for, for the people it's for is for them. Like, it's and great... unfortunately, the people it's for are film bros. So, yeah. well, <laughs> oh, no. Watch Mojo might like it. You know, it might be in their top 10. Oh, no, the Watch Mojo lady is going to be in my corner. Um, do you guys want to go ahead and vote or is there anything else you want to call out here? I can I can go. Yeah, um, I'm voting for Hateful Eight. And Matthew, was that a vote for Barry Lyndon? Um, yeah, I, I yeah, I can follow up. Um, you know, I when it comes to the Hateful Eight, I really prefer the original um, <laughs> The Ridiculous Six. Um, so I'm gonna have to vote for Barry Lyndon. (laughs) A vote for Ridiculous Six is a vote for Chris Pat. I'll have you know. Hey, I didn't vote for Ridiculous Six. No, wait, that's the Magnificent Seven. There's so many. (laughs) They're different movies. Too many. many. Ridiculous Six was the Adam Sandler (laughs) Western. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. Yeah, I'm gonna vote for the Hateful Eight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I figured. <laughs> <I'm> gonna, <laughs> it's look, it's not that I really respect the pick. Honestly, I think it's good that we have the pick. Uh, I don't know when Barry Lyndon will come up again. Probably um, never. <laughs> Unless we, we do a we period do, piece bracket, period piece bracket, or a randomized loser bracket. You know, ooh, that's a good concept. Yeah. Don't make me watch this movie again. <laughs> Maybe you'll like it more on the second time. Yeah, that's true. I, I can sit next to you and be like, look, he's bending his arm in the tree behind him. It's bent in the same way. Oh, wait, how did he coordinate getting that swan there? Yell at my screen. Um, I like I like Barry Lyndon a lot. Anyway, with that, the Hateful Eight <laughs> Roadshow slash Extended Edition advances. <laughs> um, so next episode, we've got our semifinals matchups where we will have lord of the rings the two towers versus rrr and lord of the rings return of the king extended edition versus the hateful eight rocho edition so how do i decide how am i going to decide between two towers and rrr oh, um yeah that's, that's another toughie. plug if My you haven't watched rrr yet watch please RRR. watch it it's, it's fucking, on netflix it's spectacular it, it's, it's one of the films of the year for sure it's so yeah. good all right well With that, if you enjoyed today's show, please remember to rate and review us on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. You can follow us on social media at Tough Cut Pod. Beyond that, uh, if they enjoyed the episode, who should they share the show with? Share it with um, share with someone who owns a corset. Mm. Yeah, I bet they know some people. They're kind of coming back, right? Yeah, I've seen at least five people I know who own corsets. I'm not going to unpack that. Because I think it says something about the type of people you know. Hmm. You're one of them, so. That's true, that's true. <laughs> but I'm just trying to look sexy all the time. You always you guys, look sexy. You guys know courses made out of whale bones? Like that's the cool. OG ones or just like no matter what they ha- In order to be a corset, it has to be no, whale bones. I'm sure not mo- modern ones are not made from whale bones because I don't think whaling is cool nowadays. It's, you know that they there's they, a difference between the, the word cool the and legal. There's is, is um they, they would have the smallest cabin boy stripped down to his skivvies and climb inside the whale's head to bail out any spermaceti oil. I do actually know that. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty pretty interesting. That's one of those things where it's like you ever think of the jobs you might have had to do if you lived at a different time. 
That's one where I feel like I... You feel like you'd be the wailing boy? I feel like I'd be the wailing boy. I, I do. He, he'd be the one climbing in the head. I'd, I'd be in my skivvies. I'd be in my skivvies. Because I'd be the only one confident enough, you know? I'd be like, I'll be in my skivvies. And they're like, he was a little too quick to volunteer to get inside that yeah. whale head. No one would like me, but I would do the best job. You know? I wouldn't even be a boy anymore. <laughs> <laughs> a full-grown man in my skinnies. <laughs> what is this turned into? Goodbye, y'all. <laughs>